One of the truly unique elements of the Rebbe's teaching is the way the Rebbe takes something that is at first glance archaic or just seems to have nothing to do with our society today and shows how it's truly uh, a lesson for us in our modern society. It's something that we can really relate to. The Rebbe is a master of practicality, and the whole focus of his study is to be able to apply these ideas. And there's a fantastic example of this in the first mitzvah of this week's parsha, Parshas Mishpatim, which is the law of the Eved Ivri, the Hebrew bondsman. The law goes basically like this. You have two cases of people that can be sold into slavery. One is a person who sells themselves into slavery because they've gotten to the point of abject poverty. And the second is the case of somebody who stole something, can't pay it back, so the Jewish court of law can sell them into slavery. And that slavery is a minimized slavery. It's a maximum of six years. Whenever the Shemitah, the sabbatical year, comes up, the person goes free. Um, and if they decide to stay in that uh, slavery circumstance, then their master comes, takes them over to a doorpost, pierces his ear, and they stay a slave until the end of the Jubilee year, which is a cycle of 50 years. So the Rebbe takes this very seemingly archaic law, which doesn't apply nowadays, and shows how really it reflects the Jewish approach to freedom and the perspective on our workday versus Shabbos. And this is how he does that. First of all, in terms of the actual punishment itself, the ear piercing itself, it's a punishment of sorts, but at the same time, this is something that seems to be a minimized punishment because of the fact that, of course, many people pierce their ears, often on their own free will. So the very fact that there's an ear piercing going on shows you that this is specifically a minimized punishment. It's not supposed to be out of the ordinary. It's just supposed to be something, a reminder to him personally. In fact, the question can be asked, why is he being punished in the first place? And even when you're talking about a thief, this thief seems to be punished over what a regular thief is being punished because he's getting his ear pierced. But the truth of the matter is, when we note that the punishment doesn't happen immediately, it's only something after six years when he's given the opportunity to go free and he refuses that opportunity, that's when he's punished. And that's actually what the punishment is. It's a punishment for his refusal to rejoin society as a free person, and more specifically, it points out that even when he went into slavery, he didn't do so just because of the circumstances. He also did so because he had no shame. He had no recognition, either what he did wrong in the case of a thief, or in the case of somebody who uh, is so poor, that person has a much more subtle element. That person, person is suffering from his lack of faith that God himself can't take him out of that circumstance. So all of this is hinted to in the way that Rashi, the great commentator, shapes his commentary on these words. He writes, And the master shall pierce his ear. He writes, the right ear. 
or maybe not, maybe it should be the left ear. And so the fact that he starts by asking this question, maybe it should be the left ear, is because the left always represents the weaker side. So Rashi is being cognizant of the fact that this is a weaker punishment, it's a lessened punishment, it's a minimized punishment, and so therefore we would immediately think that it should have to do with the left side. And then he goes on to say, no, it's actually the right ear, and the only reason why it's the right ear is because of a unique biblical study aid called the Gzerashava, in which you take two words which are similar to each other and you compare the rule of one to the other. And the word azno, his ear, is found elsewhere in the Torah concerning the leper. And in that case, it mentions clearly the right ear. And so therefore, we compare the two of them. Both of them have to do with the right ear. So now, once we've explained that, and after that, he needs to explain the next question that comes up. Why the ear in the first place? Why not any other part of the body? And for that, he quotes a medrash, which he usually does not do. And he quotes Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who says the following. The ear that heard at Mount Sinai, you shall not steal, and went ahead and stole, it shall be pierced. Or if we're talking about the one who sold himself out of poverty, the ear which heard at Mount Sinai, for the children of Israel are servants to me, and went ahead and acquired for itself another master, it shall be pierced. So the fact that we quote Mount Sinai, what does Mount Sinai have anything to do with this? What Rashi is intimating here is that you were at Mount Sinai and you heard these words, either the words, do not steal, and you heard the words, for the children of Israel are servants to me, and you need to apply those things to yourself. The same God that told you those things puts you in this circumstance and gives you the opportunity in some other way to be able to get beyond your circumstances and instead you misunderstood or you misread the circumstances around you and that's the reason why your ear is being pierced because to remind you that you should have listened and considered what was being told to you. And the reason why he quotes Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai by name is because Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was a person who was absolutely focused on the study of Torah to the point where nobody ever beat him to the study hall. He was always the first one there. And there are many other things that talk about his total and absolute dedication to Torah. So that's hinting to the fact that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's world is Torah first and apply that into your world. If the Torah tells you not to steal, that's, that's all. If the Torah tells you that you need to be a free person and you need to go free, that's all that matters. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai also lived during a time of abject poverty. He lived during the destruction of the temple. And despite that, this was his attitude. Rashi then continues and says, Rabbi Shimon expounded this verse in a way that is as beautiful as a fine ornament. And the Rebbe points out these extra words here, like a fine ornament, are just the same way an ornament, something that's beautiful, is not just beautiful in and of itself, but it causes beauty around itself. A beautiful necklace causes the person wearing it to be identified with extra beauty. And likewise, with regards to something in a room, a beautiful object in the room beautifies the entire room. So this explanation that we're about to quote expands this idea even further. 
And Rabbi Shimon says, why were the door and doorpost singled out for this purpose more than any other object in the house? God says, the door and doorposts which were witnesses in Egypt when I skipped over the lintel and the two doorposts of the houses of the Jewish people and freed them from slavery. And I said, for the children of Israel are servants to me. They are my servants and not servants to other servants. And this person went ahead and acquired for himself another master. Let his ear be pierced in their presence. So what Rashi is telling you is that this concept explains both the detail of that the person's ear is pierced at the doorpost, but it also expounds on the, the general concept, the fact that God took us out of slavery and into servitude to him, and this person is putting themselves back into slavery, and that is something that's very backward, and that's the reason for this punishment. Now, what's the practical aspect of this to us nowadays? Like we said before, it certainly focuses on the beauty of being a free person and understanding that part of our freedom is being able to serve God in a complete way as a uh, free person. But beyond that, there's also the very beautiful allegory here of six days to the seventh day, or six years as it is in the case to the seventh year and which we need to go free. The six days of the work week, we're of course working as hard as we can to be able to bring in money, to be able to do what we need to do in our business world. And sometimes we find ourselves subservient to those six days. And what we need to realize is when the seventh day comes in, we're commanded, go free. Shabbat is not just okay, all these things I need to do, but this is access to freedom. And we need to learn from the Hebrew bondsmen that we need to allow ourselves that freedom when we're given that chance to be able to take upon ourselves Shabbat and to be able to absorb it into our lives in a way of recognizing that this is true freedom, the freedom to be able to serve God without any distractions. That's, of course, what Shabbat is all about.